morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, last day of August, 31st of August. Record highs in the US yet again. In fact, the 53rd record high for the S&P 500 and the 32nd record high for the NASDAQ this year. US markets unaffected by Hurricane Ida or Afghanistan. Taliban were shooting into the air as the last US aeroplane departed. Bond yields were down a little bit overnight in the US, so technology stocks doing okay today. As the last day of the month, there's sometimes some shenanigans at the end of the day as fund managers do a little bit of window dressing or undressing at the end of the month. Not really an end of the month thing. It's more of an end of quarter process, but you never know. Might see some move at the end of the day one way or the other. It's the last day of the results season, the combined broking fraternity, or it's not a fraternity, is it? The broking industry will celebrate this evening going home. Well, they won't today, but hopefully this week they will be going home on time for the first time in a while, and a lot of them actually book holidays post-results season. Harvey Norman, the main results today, share price down 2.3%. Back in March, the share price was up 165% from the pandemic low, up 27% from the pre-pandemic high. So it's done very well out of the pandemic. Bunnings, Officeworks, Target, not so much Target. But the others have seen a pandemic boom, at least for a period of time, but it all seems to have topped out at the moment. It's down 11% since April, down a couple of percent today on the results, which haven't exactly lit up the share price. Quite the opposite. Looks like it's tiring. Having said that, results were phenomenal. 78% increase in profit. Overseas profit up 58% and property portfolio up 68%. But lockdowns having a impact in the shorter term. If we come out of lockdowns, you'll probably see the share price go up again. But just for the moment, looks like it has topped out. Also on the pandemic retail front, might just note Kogan are up 7% today. That's after a 67% drop from the pandemic peak. I'd put a chart in the strategy piece, but that seems to be developing a new uptrend. 34 times PE yield 2.9 doesn't exactly flash value, but return on equity 24%. A lot of froth has come off the top and two brokers that cover it. One has a target price 24% above the current share price. The other one 33% above the current share price. Might be worth a look. Wise Tech, another stock or a stock that had a phenomenal response to results on the first day post results. It was up 58% at one point. Now up 33% since results. Record high share price and up again today. And for the bottom feeders as opposed to the top feeders Appen had results fell 28% had results last week having its first rally today if anyone wants to catch the knife the average broker target price is 43% above the current share price. Some of you may want to have a look at that. Macquarie have downgraded Levisa today, despite upgrading their target price after better than expected results. They consider it to be overvalued. And a, another stock for the bottom feeders, apart from Appen, might have a look at Maine Pharma. City have upgraded after results to a buy. They fell 14% on results. Not sure I'll be buying that. BHP's ex-dividend on Thursday. Fortescue ex-dividend on Monday, big dividends. Treasury Wine Estates and West Farms ex-dividend tomorrow. We got US jobs numbers on Friday, still the main focus. 
and potentially the swing factor behind a tapering decision at the next FOMC meeting on September 15th to 16th. But realistically, I think it's unlikely one jobs number is going to change the softly, softly approach, which is clearly being adopted by Powell and Yellen. On Monday next week, the market, the US market's closed for Labor Day. So holiday next Monday. There is a general perception that Wall Street gets back to business after Labor Day holiday. And as we've written a few times in the newsletter, the big Wall Street investment banks are trying to get employees back into the offices next week with all sorts of COVID-related requirements designed to protect vaccinated employees, but ultimately designed to force employees back into the office. Australian GDP numbers tomorrow. There's talk of a new variant in South Africa, which is easily more easily transmissible. Let's hope that's not true. 76 cases in Victoria. Brett Sutton saying that they won't hold out an absurd hope of Victoria achieving zero daily COVID cases. Thank goodness for that. As you probably know, my brother and his wife are doctors. They say the worst thing about COVID now is that they live in hospital in PPE gowns. They hate it, but they do it. And Simon says he was on the street when an anti-vaxxing protest went past in London last week. And he really felt like standing on a soapbox and saying, do you realize where I work? We are spending our lives looking after people that are unvaccinated. Vaccinations do work, was his message. And almost 100% of people that they are having to look after are unvaccinated, stuffing up the hospital system, making everyone wear PPE, medical industry fed up with unvaccinated people. All the Marcus Today team have now progressed their vaccination processes. Right, in an effort to structure this strategy piece a bit more, I'm going to do a research view when I can. Today I've got Wes Farmers. Have a read of it. Wes Farmers have just had results. They got a pretty flat response from brokers and in the share price. Everybody's got a hold except for two brokers who have downgraded and City have got a sell recommendation. And the results had supply chain issues, 29% drop in free cash flow, significant costs from automation digitalization raised a few eyebrows, commodity costs up, freight issues all combining to limit broker enthusiasm. A $2.3 billion or 200 cent capital return expected in December failed to ignite interest. The stock's down 10% in the last week, but despite quite a big fall, that's quite a big fall for a big non-volatile defensive stock. Despite that, it is still in the long-term trading range, or not long-term, but the post-pandemic uptrend, still in the trading range, but down to the bottom of the trading range. And if it breaks sort of $57, now $60, if it breaks $57 or so, you might start talking about a technical big top. Goes ex-dividend tomorrow, yield of 4.6% for the full year is okay, not huge. Return of equity on equity, 20% consistently, quality stuff, fairly muted earnings growth. It's still a quality core defensive stock in a bull market. Okay yield, but don't expect it to defy gravity if the market falls over. If you look at the chart in the strategy piece, the PE chart, compared to PE history, it's on 30.2 times. The 10-year average is 15.9. And that's what one of the brokers says, trading close to peak valuations. So after it goes ex-dividend with quite a damp 
damp response to the recent results, you might expect it to start to out underperform, sorry. It's not the sort of stock you buy for growth and after the recent peak, the recent results having gone ex-dividend and with the chances of it having reached a big top yet to be technically proven, it's not the sort of stock you'd be buying now. Average broker target price 6% below the current share price. I've also written today about Fortescue. If you want to view on Fortescue, have a look in the strategy piece today. And I've written about resources research and how useless it is, not because the brokers are useless, but because it is so dependent on the underlying commodity price assumptions. And if you look at the broker research on Fortescue, it is so polarized depending on what the iron ore price forecast is. So Macquarie and Ord Minette have got target prices 26% and 36% above current share price and buy recommendations. And then Morgan's, Morgan Stanley, UBS have got target prices over 10% below the current share price. So they say it's overvalued with underweight and reduced recommendations. So plug your commodity price forecast in and go from there. And it makes, it renders the top line recommendations and target prices on a lot of the resources research just a little bit irrelevant and leaves you a little bit on your own. Brokers can't help you. You either have to forecast the iron ore price accurately, which you can't do either, or trade the stock on trend and then you're doing it after the fact, which is fine. Stock market is not about predicting things. It's about spotting things that have happened that might continue to happen in stocks like this. And there's absolutely no doubt, and there's a link to the article we wrote last week, there's absolutely no doubt that we could have seen a big top on the commodity price cycle for iron ore. Of course, Blinken, you missed it. Fortescue's down 27% from the recent top, and it's just bounced 10%. The iron ore price has fallen 27% and has not bounced. So where do you think the iron ore price is going? What I would say about Fortescue and BHP and Rio at the moment is that some of the factors impacting the iron ore price negatively are serious. Some are a bit temporary. Some of them could turn on a sixpence. It's hard to call the big top on a multi-year time frame yet. And having taken the pain, I'd probably be holding on if I was a holder, especially considering the dividends are coming up of BHP and FMG. But I think for an institutional investor, it's a bit easier. It is that hard to predict. There is enough evidence of a big top in iron ore that at this point you just go neutral. You don't want to be betting this is potentially at a moment of trend change, but maybe not. If you look at the BHP chart, it's very debatable whether this is a big top or a buying opportunity. Looks more like a big top on the Fortescue chart. So for institutions, I'd be pulling back overweight positions to neutral and not hanging myself out there until this potential pivot point passes. And I think for people trying to make money, especially on a compressed time frame, there's enough evidence there to suggest that this is not the spot at the moment I'd be looking elsewhere for quick money. There is just a big dose of doubt has dropped on the iron ore price and BHP Rio and Fortescue. Anyway, lots of charts and stuff in the strategy piece today. Right, that's about that. Uh, On this day, on this day in 1997, 1997, Lady Diana died. In 1966, the first Hawker Harrier vertical takeoff and landing jump jet made its first flight. Came famous in the Falklands War, of course. I 
I've put a link to a video. My father flew Harriers, but not operationally. He was never in a Harrier squadron, but he did fly one occasionally. Anyway, bit of history in the strategy piece today. Lots of other stuff happened this day. First victim of the Jack the Ripper murders in East End of London. Lenin was shot twice. He survived. Caligula was born. And Dion Warwick released the song, I Know I'll Never Love This Way Again, which included the somewhat profound line that a fool will lose tomorrow looking back for yesterday. I think in the newsletter world as well, we could lose today looking back to yesterday too much. Right, that's about it. Jerry Harvey says he, he's going to pay back his JobKeeper money, $22 million, against a profit of $1.18 billion. I hardly think it's material, but there you go. Clinuvel is up 8.7% on results. I think they're results. Our market up 15, which compares to the SPY futures this morning, up 17. Technology stocks doing well. Next, bouncing. Kogan up 5%. Redbubble up 3.2%. All the banks are down a little bit. Most of the resources flat to down. Oil stocks all down. The oil price was up 10% last week. Poseidon Nickel up 4%. Interesting on the nickel front that both Fortescue Metals and BHP are having a tit-for-tat bidding war over a Canadian nickel mine company at the moment. Still interested in nickel. And that Coneco KNI spin-off from Vulcan up another 17% today. Hit a high of 360, 274 at the moment. As I leave you, spy fut- not spy futures, Dow futures down 13, not telling us a heck of a lot. Jobs numbers to focus on Friday, GDP numbers tomorrow, that's about it. You have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow.